following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-host, Chris Smalls Angelos. And Smalls, I say it every week, but when we get to talk to people that we don't know, and they turn out to be hilarious and insightful, and the journeys are exactly what we want to hear, it just, it feels like this is awesome. And and this week was no different. Uh, Serge Clement from Marist, he is an assistant at Marist, uh, and is part of this is actually the third guy. We interviewed Matt Henry right as he got the Marist job. And then Kevin Driscoll, we interviewed when he was at uh, Loyola. And now he's at Marist. And then Matt goes to UMBC. And so now we get Serge. Who's All roads lead to Marist. <laughs> That's the truth. It's actually funny that, that we've only actually interviewed really one person who technically has spent a lot of time at Marist. But yeah, the third guy who has uh, been part of the John Dunn coaching tree is, is Serge. And Smalls, he was a funny guy, and we made some jokes about it on the podcast that he had been just on the road recruiting. It felt like every single day for the last six weeks when we'd been trying to schedule this, but I was really happy we finally got it scheduled. Yeah, I mean, what a difficult guy to, you know, kind of get settled down, but uh, that's kind of indicative of what, you know, coming to a new program and what you have to kind of get done. And we talked a lot about Matt Henry with that at Marist, and you know, Serge was kind of has that responsibility and uh, recruiting wise, he's on the road constantly right now trying to make contacts in roads, uh, keep up with his current contacts, but also make new relationships. And that takes a lot of effort. So me texting back and forth with Serge, it was just, I'm always in a hotel or I'm always on the road. So we didn't want to mess around with the connection. I'm glad we got it done, uh, you know, Sunday night. And uh, I think it was well worth the wait. Yeah, I thought he brought up a couple of good points. One, we used the word grinder in the episode to describe Surge, which is something we never want to do because we don't want to call people grinders. But we had to use it. Uh, I was really impressed with his uh, networking. And he made the point about how, you know, when you get to a new program, you know, you always want to go through your network and see like what types of connections you have with the players that are there and, and even some of the people that work there. And this is always something for guys that are young and they're going to bounce around a little bit. You're going to be in that position a lot. So I thought that that uh, piece of advice was really good to just make sure you're combing through your contacts. So when you get to a school and you're trying to gain some credibility with the players and trying to build some relationship with those guys, that, you know, you, you have some uh, six degrees of separation, as he called it, to make sure that you have a, a an in. And that's one of the easiest ways to network in the business. Like we've talked about, it's, oh, I know this guy who knows you. And then, you know, that's kind of common ground. And then also, you know, he, he went a little bit further into doubts about when you are making very little money, which we haven't touched on a ton lately. And, and part of that's why we've had some head coaches on who are, are a little bit past that and some guys that have worked at some higher levels. But you can't really understate Smalls how hard that makes this job, despite how great the job is. And I even asked him, you know, when did it click where you were like, man, I get to coach basketball every day. So like, I'm okay with what this is. Yeah. And Smalls, I thought that part was, was great. I did. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no. It's interesting to hear a guy really that reflective on, you know, how little he had. You, you know, after a year of doing this podcast, you know, I, I took that slight pause as a as a point to interject and I screwed up. 
So, you know, we screw up too, guys. You know, this is this is a raw uncut podcast. Uh not but- you, not this episode. You were you were hundred percent on your game. I, I mean I'm excited, like I said, I'm I'm excited. You've been you've been in the zone when technology hasn't held you down. Yeah, but to to your point, I mean, talking about, you know, Serge being really upfront about making money, you know, you kinda always relate things back to yourself and that's what we want this podcast to be again, is you know, you're sitting in your car, you're driving to recruit or whatever you're doing always relate things to yourself. And I think for my, for me, it was, you know, I look back to when I was 19, 20 years old and I was like, I want to coach. I'm going to go work at hoop group. And then, Oh, once I, if I get a division one assistant job, my life's made, man. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah. you find out, you can find out, I'm not going to give it away on this podcast, but low major, low division one jobs, you're, you are anything but in a good, you know, fiscal position. You are not made. The logo on your shirt might be awesome. And, and people who work at Hoop Group with you or people that just like reach out to you around the country, they may think that you've got everything figured out when you're 31 and an assistant at a Mac or NEC or, you know, school, America East School. Man, Smalls, it is not like that. No, no, <laughs> it really it's is. not. No, it's not. But, you know, when you're young, you can take those chances. And But the problem is when you start to get a little bit older and you look yourself in the mirror and you're like, okay, do I really have it made? And that's where it really tests, like, how much do you love the game, I think. Yeah, and do you, you know, love what you're doing? Um, everything a part of what you're doing, too. There's, there's a lot of little things to go into it. Uh, I know a lot of people who love basketball or love, you know, uh, connecting with young people. But everything that goes into it, you kind of have to be able to handle all the little tasks that you got to do and then say, Oh, like this is the best thing ever for me and be able to power through that. And I think, you know, search point, it makes really good points. And just the way he did it, it was his, his way of dealing with it and his way of persevering. So I thought that was really cool. And I also think too, like for me personally, like when I was at CFC and my wife, now wife, she's my girlfriend at the time got a job in Nashville. I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll move and I'll take a little bit of a step back and, Maybe being out of basketball is the right play for me because I was making, you know, peanuts at College of Charleston, despite the fact that it's a CAA school. And and I think that those types of decisions everybody faces with faces in their career and you just kind of decide what's best for you in your life. So so like please understand as we have episodes like this and we talk to different guests, like, you know, what Surge decided may not be for everybody. But there are a lot of people out there that are gonna face the same decision that Surge faced and or Earth's face is, I guess. But that's where I think we want to provide some guidance. And I think he did an amazing job. Uh, also, just just a tremendously funny guy. One, one of the I, I don't want to give away what his hidden talent is, but it was one of the funniest ones that we've had on the show in terms of his talent and what our activity is in Poughkeepsie, New York, when we go visit. But uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on small is the Red Sox won the World Series last night. I am sure that you watched zero minutes of the World Series. I watched the whole thing. Actually, no, you did. Yeah, no, I did. No chance. I swear to God, me and my dad were watching in the basement. I swear to God, me and my so, roommate. I mean, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so I do want to touch on two things. I don't like the Red Sox. I have always disliked the Red Sox. I grew up an Orioles fan. They stink. Obviously, I hated the Yankees. But then the whole Yankees Red Sox thing. I just was like, all right, I'm going to hate both teams. Really, really happy for David Price. Uh, pretty impressive performance from him last night. Yeah. Also, really, if you haven't seen his post-game interviews uh, where he talks about what it's like to be a good teammate and what it's like to have your teammates speak as highly of you as they do of him, 
think it's pretty amazing. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things I think as a coach that you want to strive for to have guys like that who get choked up at the idea of like, oh man, my teammates say that I'm a great guy. Also, I more power to him to tell the media to pretty much like, you know, just kick rocks about that he can't win playoff games because <laughs> he goes, you know, three no with a pretty low ER. I mean, he was really good his last four starts. It's amazing how, you know, he was on clutch and then all of a sudden Smalls, I guess they put the clutch gene in him. Not, not sure how that works out, but good for David Price. Also, shame on people for calling for Dave Roberts' head. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure from an analytical standpoint, he wasn't the best manager in the series, but they've been in the World Series two straight years. Like, it's pretty unbelievable to ask players if you think Dave Roberts is the right guy for the job after they lose uh, at home. But smallest baseball, pretty interesting, just some different subplots. But I just wanted to shout out that I'm, I'm really happy for David Price. And, and when I see things that I feel like would be good for our listeners, like we talked about the Darius Miles Players Tribune in this episode, you know, go check out, search David Price on Twitter and, and just see kind of what he had to say. And then search Chris Sale and search J.D. Martinez and see what they had to say about David Price. And I think, Smalls, that's what you strive for as a coach, to have your community of players talk about guys like they talk about David Price. And I was really, really impressed with that. That said, not happy the Red Sox won. Don't know if I would have been any happier if the Dodgers won, right? It didn't really matter either way. But just interesting stuff from us. Uh, you have any thoughts on the World Series, Smalls, since you apparently watched all games from pitch one did you watch all 18 innings on friday night no no i'm saying i thought you meant did i watch last night's game like the final game uh, i actually just assumed you watched zero minutes of the entire oh, no i watched and the 18 inning game i fell asleep at inning 12 um so that, that sucked uh baseball to me it's still boring but the world series gets my juices flowing a little bit uh i did you know i agree with you david price all that good stuff i just hate boston uh, it's really tough for me to root for Boston, uh, but you know, good for them. Uh, they won another championship, eleven in like ten years. So it's a it's a real problem. Before two thousand four, we never really understood how arrogant, brutal Boston and, people and are, fake and like fake Boston fans. Like when I was growing up, Smalls, and I, I think it was the same with you. Probably dealing with a little bit more being in Philly, but like. Everybody was like either a Cowboys fan or a Yankees fan, yeah. and they were good. You know, the Cowboys obviously haven't been very good for a while, but like those were who you had to deal with in Philly. And then all of a sudden in 2004, like all these people were Red Sox fans because it was like really cool. Yeah, now to be a people Red are Red Sox fans because like Jimmy Fallon made it cool. Like that's so. Oh my God, it's bad. It's just it's it's tough. And and you know, you and I, you have no, you have zero reason to ever be better. Okay, like the Eagles won a Super Bowl. You had told me before you never thought they were going to do it in your lifetime. You got a Phillies World Series. You have you have two city championships in the last ten years. Yeah, I wish, so you I wish have I no reason to be. Well, there. I mean, listen, I struggled through the early part of my life. You got to remember that. And then, luckily, I get to college. Did you know up until last year, when the Caps won the Stanley Cup, no Washington D.C. sports team had even played in a conference championship since 1992 Ooh, i didn't know that but that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense but obviously like i'm not a i'm not a uh, washington football team fan just kidding i'm not a redskins fan i'm also you know the caps was cool to follow i thought it was great for the city but you know nats and orioles doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon Nats windows probably closed and then the wizards i mean again we're just bleep out the word wizards on this podcast because they're <laughs> just so far away but so for the people that I root for, Smalls, I don't know if there's ever going to be a title, you know, but you got a bird's title last year. So I don't think you can ever, the Red Sox in Boston, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing yeah. how many times yeah. they've. I'm out on Boston. I hope they never win again in my lifetime. 
Unfortunately, it doesn't look like in baseball that it's going to stop anytime soon. The Pats, you know, maybe the window's closing. That might make a lot more people happy if the Pats just aren't title contenders every year. But, I mean, who the hell knows? A <laughs> uh, couple housekeeping things. Say it every week. Uh, this was the third week of the Underdog NBA show. It's myself and Xander Gallison. It airs on Thursdays. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Ty Lue getting fired is, is definitely one of them. Uh, probably caught a raw deal there, Smalls. And then picking winners. We've been doing Friday shows. Uh, picking some football games and talking about some coaching yep. decisions and some football stuff, which has been a lot of fun. And we are really hot right now. Smalls, I believe if the Pats cover tonight, we'll have an 11-win week between the three it's of us. just making money. We're picking 15 games, so it's free money. You know, we talk about you guys need to find a way to make money. Maybe take, you know, 50 bucks, throw it over there on betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, and you'll get yourself a little 50% sign-up bonus. You follow mine, Smalls, and Bart's Picks. And all of a sudden, you're not so worried about where your salary is anymore. So just a thought on that. Uh, if you like what you hear, you know, please rate us five stars on iTunes. Uh, leave a review. Reviews are super important. Haven't had one in a while, but the same deal applies if you leave a review. Take a screenshot of it. Send it to me on Twitter, email, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we are Create Your Shot Pod on Twitter. Create, or I'm sorry, Create Your Shot on Twitter. Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram. Create Your Shot on Facebook and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. And other than that, you know, we've had some pretty good people reach out to us of late. Anybody who's you, you got recommendations, you want to be on the show, you know, just send us an email, Smalls, right? We'll talk to you. We'll figure it out. Like I said, we had a blast talking to Serge, a guy that was recommended to us. We didn't know very well before this, but, you know, we're, we're excited to expand our network, too. So, like I said, take a listen to uh, me and Zandrick on Thursdays and then make sure you tune back in on Fridays. Just a, kind of a fun show that we'll do until the end of the football season. But Smalls. That's it for me. You got anything else before we let this long intro die? I just uh, I'll give a teaser teaser for the new, next Friday episode. Uh, I've got an epic fade. Uh, it it is one of the best fades I've ever had. I'm preparing it early in the week. I usually prepare it that moment. Uh, so get ready for this fade. We do typically fade some people every week. Just talk about some guys that made some poor choices. Sometimes it's coaches. A lot of times it's media members. Sometimes it's players. Like last week, Jim Beheim. you know, again, we don't need to pay college basketball players because he doesn't, he makes the money that he should make. So, you know, we have a good time with it, but enjoy this interview with Serge Clement. Sorry for the long-winded intro. Felt like there was a couple things for us to touch on and uh, we will be back on Friday. And thanks as always for listening. Assistant coach at Marist College. Ooh, man, small Sunday night, baby. I feel like I got to get warmed up. Uh, I appreciate you joining us. It feels like you've been on the road a ton so far this year. So, man, how are you doing? And and have you been able to take a breath since you guys got to Marist last spring? Uh, I've taken some breaks in pockets, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic that you guys are able to get me on. And I know we've been communicating back and forth. But uh, I'm ecstatic that we're we're actually able to get this done. So happy about that. Yeah, us too. Uh, you guys are in a little bit of a, a different situation than a lot of people we've had on. We obviously had Matt Henry on before, but 
you know, you guys are coming over from St. Peter's. This will be your first season at Marist. And you're pretty familiar with the roster, given that it's in the same conference. But, you know, how has your start to practice gone as you, you, you're you getting ready to get into the first game? You know, how has that gone as a new staff with a roster that you knew, but you weren't building relationships with until you got to campus last spring? Well, you actually hit it on the head in terms of uh, uh, relationships. That's kind of the first thing that uh, – you know, we had to build coming in, uh, letting the guys know who we are and pretty much what we're about. That's kind of what took place the first thing when we first got there. And, um, and then slowly but surely building the culture, building good habits um, and then putting our imprint. Uh, actually, John Dunn's imprint on the program. And, you know, and I'm just following suit and what he wants to do. And that's kind of how things have been since April and then uh and then the summer school session, having them for the summer for eight weeks was actually a, a, a great thing for us and the program. And uh, we got things underway and had a couple scrimmages already. Can't disclose on who, but. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Top secret. The vault is <laughs> shut. Thanks. Th- 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 thanks. It's already on. So it's on social media. So you know. Jeff Goodman started tweeting out box scores. Like he just doesn't even care anymore. He's just like, I got Somebody inside the program, send me a picture. I'm going to put it out for everybody to see. Hey, man, whatever works, works, man. But uh, we, uh, we've we done, a, um, you know, all, all the things that we've been trying to implement over the summer is actually taking course now as we play these games and these scrimmages. And uh, like what we see so far, still some work to do. But um, as far as like the changing the culture and, um, you know, and, and Coach Dunn's imprint, it's definitely being uh, uh, implemented right now as we speak. So. Yeah, and I know we just uh, we we kind of already touched on or brought up your former colleague Matt Henry, but he told us on this podcast that you never want to be the first hire of an assi- of of like a new staff because of all the stuff you got to do right away and uh, just like your brain going every which way. So you were the first person brought over with Coach Don Damaris. How were the first few months on campus, and what were all the tasks you were doing, and how are you kind of managing that? Uh, man, Henry, man, Matt Henry's being a little modest with that. Man. <laughs> he probably knew Coach Dunn had the job before me, but uh, no, it was it was good. It was good. Um, the first, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Jersey City and St. Peter's University, um, but uh, you know, I'm appreciative of my time over there. But once I got to Maris and uh, my eyes, I was looking around like, my goodness, this is a straight country club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The first, the first thing I did is I went to the locker room and I saw it and I was like, geez. And I started doing snow angels on a carpet, man. <laughs> like, I've never seen, I've never seen something like, it's pretty nice, man. The little was, things, right? When you're moving up. <laughs> and I told Matt Henry, I called Henry. I was like, my guy, the secretary opens the door for us, man. Like, we're good. Like, mama, we made it, man. <laughs> Kind of like it was just so surreal in terms of uh, 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 things that we weren't used to. Yeah, um, St. Peter's. Uh, like I said, I'm very appreciative of that place, and you know, um, being having the opportunity to be there, you just learn how to figure things out. But um, going back to what your question was, uh, it was just more or less just getting a, a jump on recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had to uh, bring in five guys, and we took over the job. April 7th and had five scholarships uh, uh, in order to bring guys, try to get some transfers. Um, that was the biggest thing, just the recruiting aspect of it. And uh, 
I was fortunate enough that Coach Dunn brought me along. And that that story in itself is, is surreal to me. Um, and I'm still thinking like, wow, this happened really fast. But um, it was the recruiting thing. It was re- more or less recruiting that we had to get a jump on. And, and uh, I was ready. And, you know, and when your number's called in terms of um, what the program needs, I, I was ready to go. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, uh, one of the assistant coaches to come along with. So. Yeah, and I, I can really appreciate, you know, you saying the thing about going from one level to another school and it's a little nicer and there's things that you don't really notice um, just because, and I did it the inverse way. I mean, coming from Temple to Philadelphia University, you forget like all the things that are kind of given to you at, you know, a high level division one program. And then, you know, you're in division two and it's a great school, a great university, but there's so much different stuff you have to go on and you have to do. But I, I kind of want to know about the relationships that um, you know, with the current players, when you get there, how are you building and fostering those relationships specifically? Uh, you, you can't, you have to be yourself. And, um, that's the first things first, uh, you know who you are as a person and as a coach. And, um, you know, first thing I did was go to the weight room session and, and just introduce myself and talk to the guys. Um, during the press conference, I was there and, and, uh, just little small details uh, about the guys, uh, but even before. So when I when we took over the job, um, coach, he t- I believe he told me on a Tuesday morning, and he said we have to be there Thursday morning. And I was like, really? So what I did, the first thing I did was just I did research on the guys. Um, I just uh, obviously knowing their numbers and playing them in the league. That's one thing, but also who I knew that I might be connected to in terms of uh, uh, AAU guys or, you know, you know, in this business, everything is six degrees of separation. So I just did my research on who I might know or, or who I know knows him or her, uh, you know, just, just, just use my contacts. And I was able to reach out to, uh, for example, um, uh, our best player who's currently on the roster. I knew, I knew his, uh, I knew some people in Cleveland, Ohio. So I reached out to them who passed me the contact to the, to his father just to make sure the kid wasn't transferring, knowing that we have a new staff. Uh, and another kid from Baltimore, I knew his family. I knew his his AAU coach from Baltimore, so I reached out to his AAU coach, AAU coach and let him know that we're here and uh, uh, we're not trying to do anything drastic with him, et cetera, blah, 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 and just let you know, let them know who we are as people. And um, and then and that's kind of how we built the relationships. We We, uh, uh, we went back. Just to see, I went back to see who I knew, and just to make sure that the roster would stay intact with the guys that we uh, really want to keep around and, and build relationships with. Uh, so that's kind of how I went with it. Guys, got to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. We are having so much fun with all the options on BetOnline.ag. Use the podcast one code to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus. The month of October just keeps getting better every week with the World Series. NFL, college football, NBA, and NHL, this is truly the greatest time of the year for all passionate diehard fans out there. There's only one place to get in on all the action. That's betonline.ag. Do not wait any longer. If you use the promo code PODCAST1, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, you'll receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. That's PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. We already have drama in LA with the Lakers. Toronto and Denver off to a super hot start. 
Alabama and the Rams dominating in the football world, and Nashville starting super strong in hockey. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Serge, how, how did you grow, go about networking early in your career to make sure that you had these types of contacts? Because I do agree with you. It's such it's so much six degrees of separation. You just hit a bunch of dudes and you know that you know really well, and you're like, all right, who do I know? But from, coming from like Potsdam State, which is a, a, a small place, to now at Marist, you know, how have you gone about networking and growing your network? Well, that's that's a good question. I, mean, I played Division three basketball um, from New York. I played high school basketball. I was a pretty good player in high school. Um, you know, so I, I ended up going Division three, and then from there, I was fortunate enough to go to Cortland as a, a assistant coach. And from there, I knew. I mean, everything in life is all about who you know and who you're connected to, and then it, it, it flips around from who you know to who knows you. So it's just a cycle in that way. And I, I always knew that at a young age, that it's all about who you know, and then eventually it becomes who knows you. And I'm not, I wasn't fortunate enough to be a high division one, high level player or, you know, and I wasn't built into, into this business. I, I kind of came from the ground up. So I just knew that it would be all about my, uh, my network and who, who I knew and, who would I decide, who would I reach out to? So I, I I made it a point of emphasis to work camps at an early age and um, get involved with AAU programs in New York, New Jersey at an early age and and build relationships. And when people like you and gravitate to you, they want to stay in touch with you. And that's kind of how I went about everything, starting from the Division three ranks, Division two ranks, Division one ranks. And that's kind of how I played everything all my entire career, just, you know, Network with people and and just kept cultivated relationships. That's all. Serge, who were some of the people that that kind of set you on this path? I, I think I talked about this maybe two weeks ago with Matt Langle being like, "Hey, telling me if I wanted to get into coaching, like, yo, you got to work hoop group." But I know you know you worked hoop group. I know five star. I'm sure. I'm sure you played at some of those places like Reebok stuff like that. But you know, who were some of the people that told you like, "Hey, this is the way to go about it," and and this is how you got to network. This is the places you need to be. These are the programs you need to work with. I know New York City basketball is a little bit different than a lot of other places, but just in general, like who are kind of some of the people and that put you on this path to get, gave you that itch from an early, early age? You know what? Uh, it started, I played with a uh, AU program when I was young. Uh, it's called KYDA, Keep Your Dreams Alive, pretty much based out of the Bronx. And it, uh, it's no, it was known as Team Scan now as the, as the, as the years went on, which now is currently PSA. Um, I played with uh, Positive Direction down in New York, uh, and I've also had a short stint with the New York Gauchos. So those coaches, you know, I, I've built relate. Like I said, I built relationships with a lot of those coaches at an early age and, and stayed in touch. And that's the biggest thing. You can build your network, but if you don't stay in touch, it's kind of a moot point with everything. Um, so I've stayed in touch, and that's kind of how I, uh, you know, like Coach uh, Coach Dennis from KYDA. Um, my guy Rebel down in New York, who, who actually helped me tremendously uh, get to where I am right now, um, just starting up at St. Peter's. And uh, so it, those are the two people that I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, Coach Vic, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that's that's helped me, um, but those are the people that I could think of. Those guys that I just named uh, are the ones that actually did something to help me where I am. You know, people talk about it, but it's more or less action. You know. We- 
You know, actually, like, it's funny. We were talking about that with John Linehan, like, way, way back. And, you know, him being a Division One, uh, you know, a high major Division One player, him saying, like, all people are, they'll tell you, like, yeah, of course, like, I'll try to help you out. And then when you make that phone call to be like, hey, I need some help, not, every, not everybody answers their phone. Which is <laughs> one of the tougher parts about the business. I, so, so for me, I'm pretty curious. Like, you go to Cortland, you, you, you're getting your master's there in coaching, and then you go to Adelphi, which is actually a really good program for people that don't know. You kind of walk me through that transition from player to graduate assistant and then your first, you know, real like on the floor assistant coaching job, you know, at Adelphi before St. Peter's. Well, you know what? I I wouldn't say, um, you know, I was working on my, my master's at Cortland, but I was an assistant coach. So I was on I was actually on the floor with uh, Thomas Spanbauer, um, who was the head coach there for years. So I, I was actually on the floor and um you know, I was able to get my feet wet right away at Cortland. Um, did all the scouts, and which <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but he uh, pretty much took me through everything. That's the truth. I remember my first time. Oh, my God. I was like, what do I do? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. But you throw some stuff together, and then something sticks, and you're good. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea what I was doing in terms of the scout that. I, I, I'm I'm fresh out of college. I played at Potsdam. I got the job at Cortland. I got the job. Everything happens for a reason. I got the job at Cortland because I had my senior night against uh, Cortland, and I played very well. I was pretty good in the league. I played very well, and it just so happened something opens, and he remembered me, and he said, oh, I'm going to give you a shot. And I said, oh, Always remember the players you. that kill you. Like, you always do. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, so, you know, going back to your question, uh, you know, as a player, you know, first thing transitioning over into into coaching, I had like I said, I had no clue, but I, I learned along the way. And, um, you know, how I got to Adelphi was more or less networking. Also, I was uh, doing a lot of the hoop group events and I just had to meet the coach at uh, Adelphi at the time at an event down in Baltimore. And he, I said, hey, man, I, I approached him, uh, you know, smooth like I do, you know, smooth <laughs> like I do. And, uh, and I just approached him I, and we we had some small talk and I said, hey, man, uh, I'm from New York. And, uh, you know, maybe some if something works out in the future, if something shakes on your staff, I, I'd like that opportunity. And I definitely would like to be closer to home being from Queens. And he said, all right, just stay in touch. And and I was fortunate enough to get there and uh, get some experience. And um, but by that time, I had a good grasp of what was going on in the profession uh, as far as being on the floor um, and recruiting was never it didn't come. It, it, it was I wouldn't say easy, but I had a, a, a that was the, the easiest transition for me, um, the recruiting aspect. But um, yeah, but I was on the floor, Division two, Division three, and then uh, put in my time and I got fortunate enough to get the same. That climb's not an easy one. And it's it, it's not you know, the thing people make it out to be like, oh, I started on a division one staff and then I, you know, grew and then I became an assistant and then I get a hot head assistant somewhere else. You know, you were growing through the ranks of division three, division two to division one. So throughout that process, did you ever, you know, have any doubts internally with yourself or maybe I don't want to do this or did you never face that kind of situation? I I have, Hannah, um, plenty of times. Especially when, uh, you know, and, and but I've learned because once I got to um, Adelphi and 
I found myself working, obviously work, you're working full time. Yep. And that, but with, with a minimum wage, yeah. pretty yep, much. Absolutely. So, and you don't, and when you, uh, when you equate the time that you put into it and, uh, in terms of compensation, you'll look at yourself and be like, "What am I doing?" Um, I've I've been there many times in terms of uh, uh, you know wanting to leave the business, and it got worse for me too. From just because I went the Division One to St. Peter's, my my first couple years at St. Peter's was not uh, the greatest in terms of money. Yeah, people in the business. Yeah, I, I think that's like a. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an important thing to not to cut you guys off, but that's a really important thing to point out to people who are listening who might be like managers or players who think like, man, I got to get a D1 job. Like there are a bunch of low major division one jobs that pay next to nothing. And yes, you're an assistant and it's great, but it's it's after a while surge like, you know, there are guys that look in the mirror and they're like, man, like, am I going to how many more years am I going to take a shot at this? And I think that's a misconception of the business that if you're a division one assistant, like your life is just made. You know what I'm saying? Like it's wild, I think. No, you're you're right, and and that's the thing. Like I, I, you know, I went from, you know, just type, uh, throw some numbers out. I went from twelve, was it Cortland, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand, and then uh, Delphi. I went a little bit higher, a little bit higher than St. Peter's. Took a huge dip, and but if it, and then I realized, you know, I really love mm-hmm. this game. Because I was willing to sacrifice the monetary aspect of things in order to get to where I need to be, and I must really love this game, and um, I do, and um, I do love the game, and I, I was willing to sacrifice that. Um, and there's a lot of uh, uh, it was more mental, if anything, just the psychological aspect of not being able to. It, money is tangible, mm-hmm. and you're not able to touch yeah. it. <laughs> you know? A lot of people equate success with money, and uh, I didn't have, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel successful at, at uh, in the early stages of my career because I didn't have that tangible thing to where I, I can go uh, shopping, I can go get a pair of sneakers, I can go provide some money to my family. And my, yeah, you were, meet, you were meeting your friends out in in St. Peter's sweatsuits. Probably, I remember that you wore your, we wore our temple stuff. Smalls was wearing. Philly U hoodies everywhere he went. That's, that's where, that's yeah, it's the new new was. clothes, man. The new uh, yeah, Serge, how'd you get to the headspace to be like, man, I love this game and I'm not going to allow those doubts to creep in? Like what happened? Like where was the turning point for you where it's like, man, I'm gonna do this and I know I'm gonna and I know I'm gonna make it? Um, it got to uh before I ex- it was at St. Peter's, I believe it was like January of uh, my first year at St. Peter's where I, I, you know, financially I didn't make anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had a, a, had a conversation with my family and, um, you know, I've, I, I wasn't fortunate enough just in general to, to, um, to live the way that, uh, uh, you know, lavishly and have a lot of things at an early age. So I kind of, I was, I, I've adjusted to not being, um, not having things. And, in my mom, I had a nice talk on perspective of things with her and, and my uncle. We were on three-way at the time, and it was one of those things where, hey, man, you've been doing it. We've had, we haven't we have had anything our whole lives. Like, I was ready to leave. The, I was ready to leave mid-January. Really? Really? That's how I, I was ready to leave mid-January at one point. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then I had the conversation uh, on just perspective. Like, we... 
we've been through this surge. We've, we've, uh, we struggled before. This is nothing. Uh, you have us and basically the support of my family, my mother, uh, my uncles, um, you know, that's what got me through. And, um, I, I was able to suck it up and, and, uh, you know, I realized that yeah, this is a beautiful game. And other than, other than the monetary aspect of things, if you could get past that, if you could get past the money, love the game. So that's not changing. Um, but if, the, and I realize if money is dictating what your thought process uh, is, as far as staying in the profession, then you're not going to make it. Um, money, money can't be the root for why you're doing this. Yeah. It's just it, because it, it comes and goes too easily. Even if you've made tons of money, it can come and go too easily. And it, it's hard to put a value on what you do. I think that that's where I think people who aren't happy really struggle in coaching because it's just, it, it's one job where everybody wants to do what you do, right? Like, I remember, you know, just in general, like when people were like, oh, man, I'm going out on the road. Like there's some coaches that are like, I don't want to go out in July. And all I could think of when I was younger was like, man, that's the coolest thing ever. You get to watch basketball and like see your boys. And like it's just a different way of thinking. Right. Because I know it, you know, the July grind is crazy. Like it's a lot. If you're on the road all the time, it gets to be a lot of travel. But I mean, shit, Serge, like that was like when I was a manager, like I thought that was the coolest thing in the entire world. Like these guys get to go watch basketball for a living. They get to coach basketball. You're on TV. like. That stuff is really cool, man. It's just really cool. It is. It is. It's really it's it's really cool. Um and I've grown to I've always loved the traveling aspect of it. Um by the way, uh do we do we bleep? I didn't hear a bleep. I heard a we're gonna no, we're gonna let that go. One thing we wanna be is totally <laughs> Yeah, you can do whatever we're you want. Totally on this. as authentic as possible. You you know as well as I do, Serge. You know, man, you, you played basketball in New York City growing up. The language of basketball doesn't have a lot of bleeps in it, right? And I, and so I want people to understand when they listen to the show, and, and I actually censor myself pretty well on here, I think, Smalls would say. But I, I want people, you know, I want people to get really, uh, you know, up close and personal with everybody's personality. So every now and again, you know, you, you drop a curse word, and maybe we'll throw an explicit tag on this one if we just have one one curse word in here. But no, you I know how you. that is. When you're, in, you. when you're in Gaucho's gym, Serge, they're not bleeping anything out. <laughs> Nah, nah, we we're going right through. I hear no evil, man. I just keep it moving. Man. <laughs> Guys, got to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Under Armour. Whether you're competing, training, or recovering, Under Armour's created the best performing gear to make you better. Smalls, like I've told you before, I'm training for a half marathon. Or did I did I not tell you? No, no, no. I think I've mentioned it. But anyway, during the training process, I sweat a ton. Under Armour's gear keeps me cool and comfortable during training, allowing me to stay focused for longer and lock in during the training process. With two new exciting collections, Vanish and Perpetual, Under Armour is ready to help you focus on performance and take your fitness game to the next level. Vanish is perfect for runners like myself. It's engineered to be more breathable so you feel lighter and less distracted. The gear is lightweight, quick drying, won't cling or chafe, and stretches without absorbing sweat. And now, Under Armour also has the best fitness apps to help you track and learn how to put that gear to the test. Track your runs, log workouts, and tap into the coaching features with UA's Map My Run, which you can sync with one of Under Armour's connected running shoes or other devices like Samsung smartwatches. I'm currently using Map My Run to track my runs and spearhead my half marathon training. Not sure if I've mentioned it, but it'll allow me to reach my peak performance. Download Under Armour's Map My Run and My Fitness Pal in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to get a free 30-day trial of premium for new users and take control of your goals today. 
Listen, coaches, we're always trying to win in the film room, on the court, in the classroom. Why not win in the bedroom as well? You know, your wife, your girlfriend, whoever it may be, your significant other, they sacrifice a lot for you to be on the road. So when you come home, when you're available at home, you should be at your best. And that's why I'm telling you to get to bluechew.com. Yep, that's bluechew.com. It has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. That's chewable. I mean, that's, that, that's tremendous. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big swallower of pills. So I like to chew whatever I take in, whether it's vitamins or anything like that. So this is awesome. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. Uh, you don't have to be skeptical on, you know, what type of ingredients they have or anything like that. And they're, again, they're chewable. They work faster than a pill than swallowing something. You can take them at any time, day or night. So don't worry about getting that post-game meal with your coaching staff and then going home. You can pop in a blue chew. And this stuff is cheaper than those two. So, I mean, is that a no-brainer? Okay, let me let me look at the other guys. The competitors, uh, same same active ingredients, but a lot more expensive. Blue Chew, cheaper, same active ingredients, works better, works faster. Plus, you don't need to go to a doctor's office. Don't worry about getting embarrassed or spend time waiting in a pharmacy line because we all know time is precious in coaching. Everyone's got to watch 22 hours of film a day. Uh, Blue Chew, it ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So don't, again, like discreet packaging, your mom's over, she's getting all your packages uh, or your roommate. In my case, she's looking through and she sees a package. She's not going to be like, oh, what? what is that? It's discreet packaging. You'll get home. You'll open it. You'll pop in that Blue Chew. And here's a great deal for you guys. You visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code CYS. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's blue. B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code C-Y-S. And now back to Serge Clement. Something we've been hitting on uh, recently um, just on this podcast is, is a relationship with your colleagues and really your staff. So I want to know, you've been with John Dunn for a while. How has your relationship evolved and and, you know, grown with Coach Don. It's 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 been you know obviously early on, um, you know, just getting to know him early. And the biggest thing is what assistants don't understand the young ones. It's not up to it's not up to the head coach to get to know the assistant. It's up to the assistant to get to know the head coach. And um, you know, in my early days, that's what I thought, and I, I quickly I quickly learned that and. It's up to me and to learn, Coach, and I uh, I feel like I've done a decent job because I'm still here. So uh, I've done a decent job trying to get to know Coach and uh, knowing what he likes and his his uh, his quirks, his peeves, his everything, pretty much. And um, our relationship is pretty good, um, and it's and and it's growing even more. So he trusts me enough and um, to to obviously recruit players for uh, for the university and for him, and you know. Our relationship has blossomed uh, since I've been with them and since I was a 27-year-old young, young man. Young buck. Yeah, one one thing every coach respects is just someone who has a work ethic and a drive that comes daily. And I think you have that just based on talking to people around the industry, you have a really – uh, this tremendous reputation for just being a hard worker. And I'm trying not to use the word grinder because I think that's overused. 
but we got to use it. You're a grinder. You're on the road a lot. Even trying to get this podcast together with you, we were like going back and forth. You were like, yeah, I'm on the road. And I felt like you were like, I'm on the road 45 days straight. So I don't know if we can do this, (laughs) but no, we ended up getting together. But that's something coaches really respect. How did you develop your work ethic from a young age? And how have you even taken that to the next level in your coaching, you know, coaching at Peters and now Marist? Well, first things first, thank you for not giving up on me, man. Because I thought Dude, this we never we never happen. give up on good guests. <laughs> <laughs> There's never some happened. out there this I just let float. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was on the way to be a dud in a minute, man. Because <laughs> we were we were texting back and forth. I, I didn't think this was gonna happen, man. But uh in terms of just just work ethic, I I mean, I would just say I, I think I mean my mother, uh you know, she's she's the number one reason why I work hard, because I've watched her work three jobs. Uh, you know, I've watched her work three jobs. I watched her come in, come in at uh, before I left for school around seven thirty and she'd be leaving out with me again to leave for school for her another job and and not be home at night for another job. So she had three jobs. So I, I just just so I could get a pair of sneakers, just so she could get me through St. John's prep. Um you know, so I've I've seen that, and I just I just took that from from her. Like, you want something, you have to go get it, and you have to work for it. And me, I'm not six foot three, and I and I and I didn't play a division one. I didn't play a game of division one, and um, I figured that you know the best way to to do things and and to make an imprint just in life is just to work hard. And um, when I was younger, uh, when I was in high school, I had the uh, I had like uh, construction paper taped on top of my uh, ceiling on my bed, and and I and I I wrote all uh, hard work pays off. And so every time I woke up in the morning, I looked in the ceiling, and when I didn't want to get up, I I looked at it and and I knew there was a bigger purpose. And I just got up and I worked. Um, you know that's all I that's all I can do. And because um, I'm I, I you know a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have things, and, and um, you know my family was not and. and so I figured just working and 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 being relevant um, to everything in the profession. If you're not relevant, then out of sight, out of mind. Shit, that, and, um, that is true. That is 100 percent true. So I just worked. I just worked. Hard work pays off, and um, and I'm still working. And I don't think that I ever leave my um, my shoulder. I, I do feel like I I have a chip on my shoulder, um, and and I carry it every day. Serge, real quick, one question for me, and then I know Smalls has one more before we do some segments, but kind of the Marist staff was a little bit interesting in the sense that you guys, you get there, then, you know, Matt gets there, Kevin Driscoll gets hired, uh, Dalip, who was an assistant at St. Peter's, comes on as Dobo, and then Matt goes and takes a job at UMBC, and that kind of throws the staff into a little bit of flux. Dalip gets promoted, which I know you guys are comfortable with, obviously, because you've worked with him before, and then you bring on Dorian uh, Long as your Dobo. What was it like to try to integrate all those moving parts over the last couple months. And, you know, how did that affect you as the one guy who was an assistant the entire time and had worked with Coach Dunn for five years? Uh, you, to be really honest with you, it didn't, it didn't do, uh, it didn't change too much, um, to be really honest with you. I mean, I, I, Matt had a, by the way, Matt Henry's, uh, I've worked with him for five years and I've learned so much from him. And I, I think he's just an awesome dude. And, um, Awesome dude, uh, awesome man, awesome coach. Um, definitely uh, one of my uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, you know, white guys in the business. <laughs> That's an, that is an awesome comment. 
I hope we're, I hope we become two of your favorite as well. Oh man, look, man, nobody's topping them in that, but you know, but he's uh, he's definitely awesome. one of the guys that uh, uh, that that I can uh, that I can lean on and um, I can trust about multiple things other than basketball. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the staff, I you know, the 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 good thing about the staff is we all known each other for a very long time. Uh, Dorian Long, he was. Uh, when I, he's been a good friend of mine in the business. We've worked hoop group together. We done, we've uh, we've eaten wings at hoop group and drank beers after the fourteen hour days. So yeah, I know him. Oh yeah, <laughs> little beer pong in the uh, no, the common area. I, I didn't say all that. We can that. cut it. Can cut that, it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, wings and wings and beer. That's what that's what they get you instead of you know they pay you twelve cents an hour and but you get as many wings and as much beer yeah. as you want. So well, I thought it was six. You know, and, and it's funny how things change because Kev, Kevin Driscoll was a guy that I, I worked the Poconos and he was in the Poconos and when I was at Cortland. So, you know, when I worked at, when I was at Cortland and I worked at the Poconos, Kevin Driscoll was the director over there and we built and he was always good to me. And we've always stayed in touch. We had a good rapport all the time and, and that was easy. And the leap was, uh, you know, he's kind of, he kind of helped me get to St. Peter's in a sense. And, you know, and he's been awesome. So, and they all hold their own weight and the whole, the chemistry part was just innate. It was natural. It was nothing forced. And that's what, the, and, and I'm going to give uh, coach Dunn a lot of credit because he doesn't um like he, he, uh, he, He's very observant. He has a good feel for people. And um, and th- those are the things that you can't teach, man. And uh, he did a good job putting this together, knowing that we all had some type of relationship with each other. And then it was all um, and, and it was all natural. So it was nothing for us. And by one man leaving, it doesn't stop the shit from going. And uh, and, you know, and we just kept and we just le- and just took off uh, from where we were at. And. Like I said, Coach Dunn did, does a great job as far as like his staff and and empowering his staff. And uh, you know, I ha- we have more. I have more responsibilities. Leap has responsibilities. Kev has responsibilities, and it was just natural. And uh, and I'm appreciative of that opportunity. And uh, thanks, Matt Henry. I go. love you, man. Let's see if he <laughs> listens. We'll we'll see. Um, but my last question before we hit some segments. Uh, of course, we all know the ultimate career goals of coaches. You know, it's to become the head coach. What I really want to know from you is how do you, how does a person like you goal set? Are you a type, the type of person who's, you know, got a couple things written down and you got a five year situation? Or are you looking, you're taking it year to year, day by day? You know what, man? Being in this uh, fickle business, uh, I don't think you can set too many goals. Everything's got to be within the days, hours. Uh, I haven't said, I mean, my ultimate goal obviously would be run your own program, uh, you know, um, run my own program. But right now, I I think my goal right now is just to get better every day. And I I know that sounds kind of corny and cliche ish, but it's, it's, it's actually 
It's actually true. Like I, I haven't looked past well, anything. I, I think you can drive yourself crazy if you, especially in this business. Uh, maybe not in other businesses because things are much more linear in other situations. But I think in this business, and we've definitely talked about it. That's the only reason why I can speak knowledgeably on the subject. But uh, you've got to take it day by day because if you're thinking five years down the line and I'm going to be a head coach at Low Division One and it doesn't happen, then where, where, where are you at? You know what I mean? And where's your head at? So um, I think that's that's the way to approach it in a lot of ways. It's different for everybody, for sure. Yeah, well, for sure. And I, I think coming from – I have a different perspective on a lot of things coming from Division three, then 2, and, and, and then Division one. Like I've seen – I've seen a few things happen. And um, and I, I didn't think I was going to go – I didn't think I was going to go to St. Peter's. and and sacrifice, you know, what I sacrificed in order to be here. And I, and I didn't know two years later who I worked with. Uh, I worked with a guy, uh, Marlon Guild, who's at, um, who's at Ryder now. And they're, they're a tremendous team. I didn't know he was going to leave to go to Ryder and which provided an opportunity for me. And, you know, and it, you just never know in this business. And I feel that if you think too far ahead that <laughs> expect to be disappointed because, it's it's just not this business is just it's upside down and around and you just never know all you have to do is just I mean that's not what you have to do but all you can do is just keep your head down and just and, and work and stay persistent in, in what you do no, yeah I mean no doubt about it uh, a couple good coach speak lines in there Serge but we're gonna we're gonna dive into coach speak here small set the first one uh, this is from this past weekend this is Brett Brown on Markel Fultz. And I told him, go in there like you're going to get 50. Go like you're going to dunk everything. And then the world will make sense. The game will speak to you. And like Tyler said, that's Brett Brown on Markel Fultz, who we know, you know, obviously last year, maybe a shoulder injury, maybe a mental thing, um, still working through a couple issues. How do you, as an assistant, handle a talent, talented player when they're struggling? Uh, you know, honestly, it all starts with the, obviously the relationship you have with that kid. But when you really think about it, do what got you here. <laughs> you know, I mean, Markel Fultz, he's got he he's having some psychological things. But just think about how did you get here? Uh, what made you the number one pig? Because you were a dog at Washington, you know. And conversely, with my guys, you know, every, obviously every situation's different, but. You know, do do first of all, do what we're telling you to do, but do what got you here, and that's and that's the biggest thing. Is that, like kids forget that uh, they try to be someone who they're not, and they try to do things to appease. You know, just stick to the script and just do what we're telling you, and and then get better, and, and then just keep getting better as it goes. You know, don't my boss to say this. Don't try to hit home runs all the time. Singles are all right, and uh, and I could, and, and I totally, and I sympathize with that because all of these kids, hey, I want to get in the lane and dunk on somebody. How about you get in the lane and jump stop, reverse pivot, and then you're still getting the two points. It's just one is flashier than the other. So you know, um, just keep it simple, um, and, and get back to the basics. That's the, that's how I try to approach things with my guys because. That's a that's an awesome point because I think 
even if you can make a couple good plays and they're not even scoring plays and you can develop some confidence off of doing just the, the little things right, that your game starts to come to you. I've seen that before where, you know, a guy's struggling, but he gets in the lane and makes a good pass and we knock down a three. Then he's starting to feel a little confident, gets a steal, and now he's making threes and he's starting to score again. So I, I totally agree with that. Sometimes it comes down to just doing little things and gaining some confidence. Hopefully our guy Fultz is starting to do that with that big dunk this weekend. Right, Tyler? You loved it? I loved it. Serge, are you a guy that's going to show uh, kids film of like when they played well to try to get them to sort of remember what it's like? Because obviously you can't go out there and you can't play for them, but is that something you've done in the past? Oh, for sure. I, I do it all the time uh-huh. because kids forget, you know. Um, yeah, la- I mean, last year, for example, I had, I had a guy uh, – one of our guys who played really well in the, in the scrimmages and he played really well and he started the season off really rocky. And, you know, you pulled up, the, I pulled up the clips from when he played in the scrimmages and showed him what he can do and his potential. And, and, you know, obviously just to, you know, let him know like, Hey man, you can play this game. And uh, I think you have to do things like that, um, you know, and show him a little highlight, just get him smiling you know, get those kids going. Um, but also, obviously, you show them the bad. Show them the bad, but also with the good. And um, I think you just have to have to be honest with them. You have to tell them. You have to show them. Um, and a lot of these kids nowadays, it's more or less show, show me, and then uh, show me, and then I might change it. Well, you, you don't change it, you'll be gone, but, but show me. <laughs> you know, show, show me to help me so I can change it. So... And that's kind of uh, that's kind of my approach for everything um, with these kids nowadays. I don't play anymore. I'm washed up now, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, um, you know, I show them and 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 talk to them, and and uh, that's how uh, my approach is now. All right, awesome. Uh, mine is from Quinn Snyder. This is talking about guys on his staff with the Jazz that do a lot of different things. Hopefully, everybody has some parts of responsibility across different areas because that's what the job really is. It's not compartmentalized by nature. And if you are, you're probably less effective as a coach. Serge, we talked about this a little bit with different responsibilities, but you know, how do you improve yourself as an assistant on your own, whether it's recruiting, scouting, workouts, especially when you're on the road? What do you do to work to get better personally? Uh, I think you have to – I mean, for me personally, you, you, I learn from others. Um, I watch other people, um, I, I, you know, think outside the box and try to formulate my own things also. Um, but also, like I said, I'm an assistant now, obviously, and, and I'm working on developing myself every day, but you know, as, as, you know, as an assistant is for coach Dunn, my main job is to reinforce program philosophies. However, he wants me to work out guys and et cetera. I do that, but also I try to keep my own. Uh, I, I try to keep my own spark to things by, you know, researching, um, coming up with creative workouts for my for myself, and then bringing it to the table in the spring once the season's over. Um, you know, uh, film. I watch a lot of film. Um, even though I, I used to be the first one not to watch film once the season's over because I'd be burnt out. But uh, you know, if you if you really want to make this a, uh, you know, be a, a real coach or, or or successful in the business. You have to spend time doing things that you don't want to do, which at, at first, early on in my career, I didn't want to watch a lot of film because, you know, you, you're, you're watching film every day. And, and I would put it down and won't touch it until uh, September, 
you know, but, uh, and now I made it an, uh, an important part to watch film more, um, you know, learn from others, go to clinics, talk to people, don't be hesitant to speak to people. Um, and just to improve myself, also go to, uh, um, you know, professional development things uh, like the NCA, I would apply for like the NCA, uh, um, leadership conferences, uh, things of that nature, just to meet people and also just work on myself. Um, that's one thing that you can always do, even though you're an assistant and, um, and you're working for someone, but you can always improve yourself because you never know when the lights and the opportunity to come, could come for you. So. Serge, how did you get better at watching film as an assistant, especially if it was something that wasn't your favorite thing to do? Because, you know, we've had a couple of people tell us, like, you've just got to watch X number of hours of film per day. And, you know, some of the time you've watched a bunch of Matt games in a row. It's not like you're sitting there and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to load up LeBron versus Houston (laughs) and figure out those actions. You just don't have that much time. But like, how did you get better at watching film to make yourself more effective? Because that's I think that's hard. Like guys look for different things and some guys watch it on two X and I don't know what you get from that if you're not cutting it up. So, you know, how did you make that part of your repertoire? Like, this is what I'm going to be really good at. You know, it, I, you know, I, I actually forced myself to do it. And, and I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's, it's not so bad. Um, it's not so bad. I, I can't watch NBA games. I'll be really honest with you. Um, I can't watch NBA games anymore now that I'm now that I watch college games all the time and then go to the NBA. It's totally different for me personally. But uh, um, I, I just broke myself out of a habit uh, of, you know, putting it down after the season. And if I want to be good, if you want to be good at something and regardless of regardless of what it is, it's repetition. And believe it or not, watching film constantly, not just because you have to, but on your own time, even on your leisure time. And you're watching film; it's repetition. You're gaining knowledge, and that's you know, and and you and you you obtain a photographic memory of things, and then you remember certain things, and you put in certain situations, you remember it because you've seen it. Um, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it now. Um, I wouldn't say I'm as good as my boss because he's been doing it for twenty something years, but uh, I've got to. Um, it's actually kind of funny when stuff like that clicks. Because I remember when I was at College of Charleston, we were playing Puerto Rico and we were playing Texas A&M game that we weren't supposed to win. And I remember, I don't remember what they actually called the play, but I remember what we were calling it to tell our guys. And we had a side out of bounds and I had watched a, a bunch of Texas A&M film. And I remember saying to the assistant that had the coach, like, they're going to run this play that we were calling Blue Jay because I saw like what their alignment was and when they ran it. And it's actually kind of cool when something like that clicks. When you're like, all right, all those hours I spent like in front of the laptop, like, and for me, it was just like one thing, you know, I, I didn't call out a bunch of stuff throughout the year and stuff. But like that specific moment, I remember feeling like, all right, like I get this a little bit like it was worth it, you know, and you felt good about it. You wanted to get back in front of the computer and keep watching after that. It, but that's exactly what it is, though. And you want to you want to be as a coach and, and you know, I didn't understand this earlier coming up, coming from uh, Cortland. But as a coach, you want to prepare your team as best as you can. And the way to do that is to keep them informed on what's going on and what you see. And remember, the head coaches are the eyes of the uh, actual players. So that's and nothing. You. Nothing gets you like more credibility, both with the rest of the staff and with the players than when you're sitting on the benches like calling out actions before they happen. Because as soon as you're prepared, you have a game where like the defensive game plan is so set. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, man, Serge, like, he knows his stuff. Like, 
when he tells me to do something, if he says ice this ball screen, like I got to ice it because that's right. And I'm going to look good too. I think that's the best way to build credibility from both sides of the profession. Well, no, for sure. For sure. And then that's kind of where my, you know, my head coach, obviously you're not a head coach for no reason. Um, you've put in a, you've put in your time and, and under John Dunn, like he's, he's trained his guys. He's trained his assistant coaches to, to be animals on this film. And, um, I feel like I've gotten a lot better in terms of being able to dissect things and, and see things that, before they occur. And there, I remember um, a scout two years ago, I've watched the team so much that I, when I knew they entered it on one side of the floor, I know exactly what they're doing. And they, they could only do three things, this, that, and that. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I felt prepared and, um, you know, and that's that, that's where you that's where ultimately that's where you want to be, where you feel as if the guys uh, are prepared and and on the court, they know exactly what's happening by two dribbles that way, uh, three dribbles to the left. And you want to give them as much details as possible. And that's where I feel like my head coach uh, does a great job as far as being detail oriented and how we prepare our guys. All right, I'm going to take you to our next segment. That's the city review, and we've got we've got a cold one uh, for you guys here. This is Poughkeepsie, New York, and Serge. You're going to take us. Me and Tyler are coming for a weekend that you're off. Somehow you are off this weekend. You are not working. Maybe we'll wake up and watch some film with you and do all that good stuff. But you've got to take us to three restaurants. Two bars or night spots and an activity to do in Poughkeepsie. Let it roll, Serge. It's your show. Oh, man. Where do I start with the – I mean, I, I don't really go out too much, to be honest with you. That's why I got a souped-up TV. I got every I have every freaking app on here, man, just so I don't have to go out. <laughs> but uh, as far as, like, if you guys were to come up, man, I'll take you guys to Cosmos, which is uh, – um, an Italian restaurant down the block from the school. And it's pretty good. Uh, we take our recruits there. Um, my, the calamari is amazing. Oh, I'm a big calamari guy. Um, Put a little lemon on it, you know, make it a little spicy for well, me. Perfect. Marinara sauce. All this. Oh, a little marinara. I'll, di- I'll take a dip in a marinara. I'll put a calamari in there, and then I'll take another calamari. I won't put any marinara in it. <laughs> Best of both worlds. That's what it. I like to do. Love it. So that that's one place uh, – that I'll probably take you. Um, are you guys into seafood? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dude, Dwayne Lee. Maybe we'll invite Dwayne Lee up because he lo- that guy is a seafood fan. Yeah, that's my guy. And he would probably want to get out of Olean. So I'll probably invite him over. <laughs> um, so this is, you know, I was actually just driving around one day and uh, I pulled uh, Route 9 is just a straight road that uh, uh, there's a lot of chain restaurants. And I found a, a seafood spot called Joe Willie's um, on Route 9. And I went in there and I sat and I was amazed. Uh, I had stuffed shrimp with a stuffed salmon and broccoli. And I, I and it was amazing. So Joe Willie's would probably be another place, a seafood spot. So Cosmos, Joe Willie's. You need one more? One more, one more. One more, one more restaurant. I, take, yeah, I, I go generic chain with it. Uh, Outback. I can't go wrong with my Outback, man. Love it. We're getting a blooming onion. Blooming it between the table. <laughs> Gonna have some problems later on in the night, but that's okay. 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, just telling it how it is. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so what if we needed somewhere we were done eating? We wanted somewhere to kind of like, uh, you know, maybe have a nightcap, maybe, you know, grab a, you know, for me, I'd grab like a seltzer with a lemon, but, you know, go out, see kind of what Poughkeepsie's like after 10 p.m. Hey, listen, and I'm Tyler, Chris, I'll be totally honest with you. I'm staying out the way. I don't go out over here much at all. Uh, like I said, I got a, I got the best TV in the business right now. I got Showtime. I got I got a, a HBO. I got Hulu. All right, so I'm gonna go buy. I'm gonna buy a case of Polar Seltzer. We're gonna grab Kevin Driscoll because he'll drink, and then we'll go watch Billions. We'll binge watch Billions on Surge's TV. Right? We could do that. I've already watched Billions. On <laughs> I'm done, man. Like I'm done with Billions. I'm done with Ozark. I'm done. I'm actually. I just yeah, me too. back, so I'm gonna get. Yeah, right I saw that. You will have to plan the weekend, so it'll be like a big like Netflix or Hulu shows getting released, and that way we'll all be on the same page. Making a murderer's back. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to binge right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, so- not, I'm not. I'm not into. I can't watch too much of that. Uh, no, no true crime. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Driscoll, uh, who's my guy. He's he um he so he doesn't drink. Um, so I would give him probably like something like a sprite or a daiquiri or something. Man, either. <laughs> <laughs> a little virgin daiquiri. Yeah, here's some of that action. He doesn't drink, so it's all good. Um, but no, he uh, he's a good he's a good person to work with. Also, um, let me see what else that. Uh, well, you can, you can give us like an activity. What about, like, yeah, what, do what are we doing outside on, like, of your house? Yeah, on like a Sunday or something. If we just got to find something to do in Poughkeepsie as an activity, what are we doing other than going to a Red Fox basketball game? Uh, you're gonna laugh at me on this one. Um, so when I got up to uh, uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, there's there's this game that they play. This Italian game called bocce that he. Oh yeah, bocce ball. I, I'm an expert. I, I picked it up, and uh, you know, you see a brother playing bocce in Poughkeepsie. You know, like, <laughs> you know he's good. <laughs> <laughs> the music just stopped when you. <laughs> Yo, let me tell you something, Serge. These are the types of activities we want to hear. Like, we had somebody take us to, like, a rattlesnake uh, fight. I don't even know what it was. Yeah, it was like a a rattlesnake roundup. So people jump in the pit and you try to round up as many rattlesnakes. Listen, all these people that are telling us, like, let's go to the park and go for a jog, like, not interested. Not interested. If you're telling me you've got, like, a bocce tournament we can go to, now that I will do all day. Well, we can bet time. some country club money. Like, there's people with money <laughs> over there. We can start throwing down wagers. Not, not that you would do that, but we're not in the NCA, small, so small, we small, don't don't bet on it. You didn't watch don't that video. You didn't watch that. No, I'm not on the NCA anymore, baby. I bet on everything now. <laughs> That's not good. No, Bachi's so, fun, man. Bachi's fun. Bachi is fun. I, I played every Monday and Thursday, and uh, the league just finished. So, um, I was in a league, and um. You know, we uh we lost in the what is it, quarters or something. Uh, yeah. So I I I'll play bocce a little bit, and uh, that about it. I to be really honest with you guys, I, I stay out of the way, just do my job, travel, and um, you know, and and watch my souped up TV. That's it. Serge, you uh talk you talk trash on the uh, bocce court. Man, listen, I got a mean left hook with that with that Pellini, <laughs> man. <laughs> Pellini. <laughs> Yeah, man. My police game is oh, perfect. Man. That is unbelievable. All right, let's do Ted touches real quick. Uh, rapid fire question and answer. I got the first five. Serge, who's the funniest person you've ever worked with or coached? Uh worked with a coached. Um, 
Oh, ain't too many funny people when you're getting yelled at. Uh, let me see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny people work with a coach. Um, you know what? It was actually pretty funny. Um, uh, what's his name? It was pretty funny. Um, uh, I worked with him. Um, at Adelphi, Sean O'Connor. He was a was an assistant coach at Adelphi with me. He was an older guy, retired cop. He's just he he provided that uh, comedic relief when things were always uh, uh, a little bit of, in a, in disarray. Yeah, uh, nobody nobody's got stories like cops, right? Like they just got stories for. You think basketball coaches have stories? Cops, they'll tell you stories for days. Oh my gosh, I thought some some of his stories had me rolling, man. <laughs> I, I just I, I love it. He was awesome to work with. Um, he was awesome. What it? What's uh? What's your worst basketball travel story? Uh, I mean, you know, things happen. Uh, as far as like you know, you know, bus not being here on time at times, and um, but one time at St. Peter's, I believe it was my third year, second or third, second year might have been. Uh, <laughs> this is actually pretty funny though. So we missed the uh, uh so the bus uh broke down. On uh, right before the game, I believe we're headed to uh, uh, play Canisius. The bus broke down, so we couldn't get to the game. And there was a a, a bridal party or a, um, a party going on in the hotel. And we asked the uh, the company, the company guys, to Hey, man, can we uh we'll pay for the bus? We just need to get over here. Blah blah blah. So we all right, cool. We uh we rented the bus, the the party bus, and next thing you know, there was three stripper poles right in the middle of the bus. <laughs> I was guys were like they got on the bus and started dancing and all. I was like, yo, my man, get off that pole, man! Like, yo, focus for the game, man. <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Oh, that's tough. Did you guys, did you guys win? No, no, we definitely lost, and then <laughs> <laughs> we definitely lost, and then after that, we uh, we actually we uh, once we lost the game, we had to hop on the bus again, and that bus on the way back broke down, mm. and that bus that broke down, they bought us another bus, and that bus broke down, so oh, we had two buses break down, and I believe we got home probably about four or five in the morning. Uh, that that trip, but that the the, uh, the party bus with the stripping pole, I think that was priceless. It was, <laughs> like we got, I got on everyone. Most of the guys were on the bus already, and I got on, and I just see two guys just bsing on the floor. I'm like, yo, my man, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like we got a game, man. Like, what's wrong with y'all? <laughs> but uh, that, that was funny. What are you currently binging on your souped up TV? And then, uh, if you have any time, like if you're on the road or the airport or whatever, what what have you been reading recently? You know what? On my souped up TV, what I got right now is uh, Ray Donovan just started again, so I have to uh, I have to get back on that. Uh, but I've been traveling for the last three weeks, so I really haven't gotten much gotten much out of uh, watching television and shows too much. Um, I've been watching a lot of film, catching up on some things, and and uh, making phone calls and things of that nature. So I really haven't done much in terms of uh, um, you know for my own leisure. No less. Um, but uh, right now, uh, I want to catch up on Ray. I want to watch Ray Donovan before <laughs> once I get off the phone with you guys, man. Uh, once I get off this with you guys. So, and what was that last part you asked? Uh, any? Have you read? Any, you read anything? Read any books recently that that you think uh, would be beneficial for the listeners? 
Um, no, I have my most recent book. Honestly, I haven't read any books in the last year or so. Um, but uh, I've been reading like the Players Tribune. Um, I'm I'm very big on just like short readings. I don't like the uh, the long drawn readings because I'll be honest with you in school. Me I, too. I I'm a hundred and forty characters guy. Yeah, so. man. <laughs> <laughs> right, read the Dar- read the Darius Miles for anyone that's our listener. The Darius Miles Players Tribune from last week was unbelievable. Awesome. Like unbelievable. It was great. Really, really good. Really yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, what is the greatest game you've been a part of, either as a player or a coach? Um, as a as a plug too, as a player. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to take it too far back. Show my age. <laughs> um, as a as as a as a player, I had a triple overtime a long time ago. I always I, I always think back to that. But as a player in college, it was um, you know, my my senior night. I, I remember that like it was uh, like no other. Because if it wasn't for that game, I probably wouldn't have been remembered or even had that opportunity that I had at Cortland under uh, Thomas Spanbauer. Um, you know, so that as a player and as a coach, I would say. Uh, more or less the C, uh, CIT and uh, against Furman, um, being at St. Peter's for three years prior to, and then, um, you know, we built that thing up. Coach Dunn built it up, and uh, being that that we played Furman in the, uh, I believe it might have been the semis, and to see how our gym was packed out um, from both ends and the support that we received from administration and and the community, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that at St. Peter's, and um, and just the whole uh, the, how the whole year went. Uh, unfortunately, we came short uh, in the semifinals in the MAC tournament, but we won our last eleven out of twelve games, and, uh, and that team was pretty good. We had some dudes, uh, had some dudes. Iona had better dudes, <laughs> but we had some dudes, man, uh, that year. So. Speaking of speaking of dudes, last one for me. I uh, I edited this a, a minute ago because I, this is the question I really want to ask because I'm a I'm a basketball junkie. But New York City basketball mecca surge when you were growing up. Who was the best New York City basketball player? Like who did you look up to? Who was putting on a show when you were coming up? To be really honest with you, uh, the, it, it's it's three dudes, um, and it was the era of uh, Omar Cook. Andre Barrett and Talik Brown. There you go. Point guards, baby. Oh my gosh. Those are the three headed monsters. <laughs> like you go watch Omar Cook and he would he would get he was so strong, get in the paint, just hit the dudes with passes. I remember him throwing throwing a no look pass, hit the dude in the face. And it he caught he hit him in the face, but he caught it though. And he it like stocked him. <laughs> Yo, it like stuck to his face. Omar Cook, like, led, he, he was like second or third in the country in assists as a freshman. Yeah, like, he had an unbelievable freshman year at St. John's. Oh, he was good, man. And then if you want to see something else, then you go to Andre Barrett, who was a he was a dog, man. He was a dog. He just he just scored gracefully. Had the pull up game. He was just that good. And then if I wanted to see shake and bake, I would go see Talik Brown, who had the handles, who I, who I have a pretty good relationship with. It's actually amazing, Serge, how he changed his career. He turned into like a lockdown defender, like big time leader back when he was in college and everything. But I remember like he was apparently in high school, the goods, like just like you said, like handles like crazy. Oh, he was the goods, but he would have saw the padded seat if he didn't change his game. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he would have been right next. 
He would have been right next to me, like, hey, man. <laughs> this is what we could do better. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> good, he, was, he was really good. So that's when New York was New York. And I, I, and I mean, obviously, you got the K-Sats of the world and, and um, you know, that era a little bit further back. Um, you know, Kenny Satterfield, Julius Hodge, you know, you got that time. And um, But for me, those New York City was for me within my age. Uh, it was those, those my, three guys. Those three guys were were uh, like they were it, you know. Unreal. So, all right, my my five are coming. If you could change one thing about college basketball, what would it be? <laughs> college If I could change one thing about college basketball, um. You know, I, I I'd probably um uh, get rid of referees, man. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brawls. Nah. <laughs> just, just make it all brawls. <laughs> no, nah, man. I, I honestly, man, I, I would uh, um you know obviously the three point line. I I'd probably still move the three point line. Uh, move the three point line a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, probably international. Um. And they had a whole bunch of rules with the uh, the timeouts and how they do things, uh, where the players are on, on, are the only ones on the court that can call the timeouts. Uh, I, I would definitely change that back. Uh, but other than that, probably just the three point line, man. I, I love the college. So. I like it. What What would you do if you weren't coaching basketball or coaching in general? Uh, I'd I'd be helping. So I'd be helping kids um, to some capacity. Um, I could see myself as an administrator also. Uh, that's kind of what the direction I was actually going first. Uh, yeah, I, w- I wanted to be in athletics. And then, um, you know, and then my passion for basketball kind of took took place. And uh, and I just stuck with it. And uh, it's not really a job to me. Uh, that's why I stuck with it. Yeah, you know, for I sure. Wear, I wear sweatpants and sneakers to work every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pretty that's- awesome. That's a good life. All right, what's your pregame routine? Do you have one? No, I just laugh at the other coaches that do dumb stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you got to tell me some dumb stuff you've seen. You don't have to say any names. I can't can't, can't go into detail. But, like, everyone's everyone's so uptight, man. I can't be that way. And I I can't be that way. So I've seen a few different routines. But me, I don't don't have a routine per se. Um, But, you know. I, I try to be the calmest uh, around uh, on the bench, even during the game. So I don't watch Matt Henry be a fool on the sidelines. Trust me. <laughs> I've seen it, uh, you know, even from previous uh, staff. So I, I don't really have a routine per se, man. I just try to be uh, as relaxed, as calm as I can. Cool. And your favorite and least favorite practice drills? Favorite and least? Uh, yeah, give me one and one. Uh, favorite practice drill would be uh the playing segment <laughs> where they going up and down where we where we're playing and calling our plays and things of that nature. Uh, a least favorite would be the the static stretching and the dynamic stretching. Oh man, your Smalls is gonna love that. Smalls, love, Smalls hates the stretch. I'm anti anti stretch. <laughs> I don't believe in it. Where's the science? It's just a tough situation because, like, it wastes a ton of time and you only have – you know what I mean? And and you can't tell guys, like, be there 15 minutes early and be stretched because, like, that's not fair because then just make practice 145 to, like, 3 o'clock, you know, whatever. But it's like – 
Man, Dump was the same way. Like Doug Wojcik, like those guys, just like they couldn't, they just couldn't do it. They were like, "This is this is useless." Dudes are laughing, they're joking around, they're not taking it serious. Like I think older coaches just hate it, man. Like Smalls, Smalls knows Herb McGee, not a fan of the stretch. Not, a, we were not a fan. the The stretch was almost forced on our program. It was not, <laughs> believe me, it was not there for a long, long time. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm cut from that cloth, man, because I. I I see it, and I'll be like, what the, what the hell? You got 27 different, like, bands on the floor. There's, like, foam rollers. There's, like, little pads. And you're like, man, this is – we haven't picked up a basketball in 30 minutes. Like, I don't know what's going on out here. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm just going to go to our, you know, our number 11 because number 10 was answered. The secret hidden talent is clearly bocce ball for you. Um <laughs> So I'm just going to straight up ask you two future guests for our podcast. Whoa, two future guests. Yeah, who should we have on from the Serge Clement tree of networking? There was some tree of networking, man. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I talk to him every once in a while. Good guy. Uh, see if my man Rob Jones from uh, Norfolk State, mm. uh, he's the head coach. Yeah. Over there, um, you know, you have to see. Obviously, he's his thought process right now is on the season, so uh, I would think it'll probably be something later on. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it in uh, you know in April or May for sure. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, you don't get big time in charge of fee or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these guys contracts so, are. Uh, these big time is down. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, probably my guy Marlon Guild from. Uh, from St. Uh, Peter's, uh, from Ryder University. Um, they got a good program over there, and uh, Marlon has been a good friend and also a mentor um, for me. Also, um, he's he's a, he's a funny guy, good guy in the business to know. Um, you know, so he'd be another one I'd probably recommend. Love it, I love good, it. Uh, all right, last segment. Same two questions for every guest. We call these parting shots. Serge, what's the uh, best advice you've ever been given? Um, honestly, the best advice I've ever been given was, uh, you know, as you're dealing in, with this profession, um, a lot of people equate success with, uh, um, you know, where you at or what school you are. Uh, we always want to move faster than we actually can. Um, you know, my good friend, my best friend, uh, just, just told me, just worry about yourself, worry about your path, worry about what you're doing, because someone else's path is always going to be different than yours, um, regardless of how you look at it. Um, so that's probably the best advice I've, I've gotten professionally and just my everyday life, man, just worry about yourself and what you're doing and don't constantly, don't worry about what someone else is doing with the next man. Don't, don't count his money. Worry about yours. That's awesome. So face to face with your 25 year old self, what are you telling that person? Uh, you know what, man, just <laughs> listen, you know, when I was young, I was kind of a hardhead. Uh, I've taken different paths to uh, different things, and ultimately, I'm I'm where I'm where I should be. But uh, if I would uh, listen and, and drop the ego at a young age, and um, and did what I was told, then maybe things would be different. But uh, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. Young fella, you need to listen. That's what I would have told him. You need to listen, man. <laughs> I mean, that's the best advice. Everybody thinks they got a lot of answers. Like I've joked before, I had a bunch of answers when I was 19 years old. And all of a sudden at 24, I had zero answers. So it's amazing how that goes when you shut your mouth for a minute and open your ears. But 
Serge, we appreciate it. I don't want to keep you from Ray Donovan much longer. Plus, small, like I told you, I think my wife wants to carve pumpkins tonight. So, <laughs> got to wrap this one up. Ooh, maybe you have to cut that one from the podcast. That's going to really hurt your street cred, brother. <laughs> he is at Serge Clement 12 on Twitter. And then, Serge, you guys open the season a week from – this will air on Tuesday, and you open the season that next Tuesday, uh, I believe, against Army, correct? That's correct, sir. So Correct. it's going to be uh, – now you don't got to watch guys scrimmage secretly or uh, play up and down in practice. You get to see it for the real thing. And oh, we, are, we are excited to see what the Marist Red Foxes do in the first year of the John Dunn era. So, Serge, thanks for your time tonight, and uh, we will talk soon. Bro. All right. Thank you very much, fellas. I appreciate you uh, staying, um, staying in touch with me to finally make this happen, man.